Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 about what God did in the Garden of Eden after the fall, which was to open up the possibility, opportunity, ability, privilege, power, and authority for Adam and Eve and all to receive God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as Savior. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. As we've been mentioning, that Tom Cantor is our Bible teacher, pastor, author, and also a scientist and CEO, as well as the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum. And as such, he's offering this month two resources available to you a DVD tour of the Creation Museum, as well as a Six Days of Creation with leading scientists and Bible teachers, including Tom Cantor. We can send that to you, as well as a book on the Ice Age and the Flood. These two resources are yours for a donation of $20 or more this month only on the Friendship with God radio program for your support, which helps us to continue broadcasting on this station in your city. Call us now at 800-247-3051, again, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Now, here's Tom Cantor today in our teaching. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, let it be that when we leave this class today, that we'll just say two words, and those words are God first. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bible there, Genesis 4, I think it's always a good idea that we get the backdrop, uh, although we're not going to be covering every part of this, it's important for us to see the context so Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man, the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. His countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel his brother. came to pass. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother, slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is thy Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now thou art, art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass. Everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon him, upon Cain. Any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'll just drop down to uh, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. 
Now, a little bit of review. Last week, we started off to see a great mystery in Scripture, and that's the mystery of two seeds. Of the two seeds, the seed of the devil, which we were all born into. We start our lives that way. We sin because we are sinners. We're all born part of the seed of the devil. And we saw in John 8, 44, the Lord Jesus called those seeking to kill him the seed of the devil. Ye are of your father the devil, he said. We saw that. And then we saw how a person reveals himself to be the seed of the devil by his actions. We saw how Saul revealed himself to be a seed of the devil, seeking to kill Christians. But on a road to Damascus, a tremendous change, a great repentance in Saul's life happened when he called the Lord Jesus Christ God. And that was accompanied by this change in seedship. And Paul at that point, his name was changed, Saul to Paul, and he was born into a new seed. And we saw the description of this change in seedship, of how Paul became part of a group called the many. The many who are described in John 1, 12-13. The many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What God did in the Garden of Eden after the fall was that God opened the possibility to change seedship. He opened the opportunity to change seedship. He opened the ability to change seedship. He opened up a power or an authority through receiving the Lord Jesus Christ to have a new title, sonship with God. That's what he did through adoption. Now, all that God opened up as possibilities, as opportunities, as abilities, that became a reality for two people, for Adam and Eve, because they decided to take off those uh, figs, uh, aprons that they had made, and accept God's provided uh, skins from the sacrifice, and they took the one step further. One step further, one step beyond, that's what they did. One step beyond with God. Not just to believe in God, but to believe on God. And there's a difference. There's a difference between believing in God and a believing on God. And it's all about taking the one step further. One step further to trusting God, that's what they did. One step further to relying on God, that's what they did. One step further to depending on God in the garden for their salvation. That's what they did. And with that one step further, they were born again into a new seed line, the seed of God or the seed of the woman. That change in the seed, that new birth had nothing to do with their bloodline. Nothing to do with their bloodline at all. Why? Because we'll see in this chapter that Adam and Eve, two parents, gave birth to two children, one child, Cain, ended up staying the seed of the devil and proving that by his actions and also gave birth to Abel and to Seth who ended up changing their seedship to the seed of God. The second birth, the changing of the seedship, is supernatural. And the only one who enables a repentant sinner, a sinner who is sorry for his sins, and wants to change, and wants to be a child of God, and is willing to come to God on God's terms. The only one who can enable him to do that is God. And he gives him a power 
And that's why that word power is so important in John 1.12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Power to become, or if you like authority, power to cause to become the sons of God. That phrase, power to become, it reminds us of something that happened in the history of the Jewish people when they were in Jerusalem. They were under a terrible siege from Sennacherib's army. They were starving to death. They were this close from being totally annihilated. And Sennacherib's army is outside of the walls of Jerusalem defaming and blaspheming the name of God. And so it was a day of trouble. It was called a day of trouble. It was called a day of rebuke. It was called a day of blasphemy. And the Jewish people coined a phrase. And you find this phrase both in 2 Chronicles and also in Isaiah. And the phrase that they coined, they described themselves as a baby that's ready to be born. Here's how they put it in Isaiah 37.3. They said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth and there's not strength to bring forth. That was the phrase they used. They said, we are like children that have come to the birth, and there's not strength to bring forth. Not strength to bring forth. Picture a group of people, and this group of people, they want to be sons of God. Oh, they do. And they want to be sons of God on their terms. And they want to be sons of God by keeping the law. And they want to be sons of God by keeping their religious traditions. And they want to be sons of God by doing good works. And you could use that same phrase in Isaiah to describe them. They're like children that have come to the birth, but there's not strength to bring forth. They cannot make it happen. They cannot make themselves to become power to become. They have no power to become the children of God. Now you picture another group of people who come to God on God's terms. And they come to him and they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's terms. They want to be sons of God just the same as the other group. But for them, he's to them, to them it says, gave he power to become sons of God. They are the children that come to the birth. And there is power to bring forth. There is strength to bring forth. Why? Because God gave the power. In John 1.12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We come now to ask this question. You know, about seven years ago, I spent the day with the Jewish um, landlord. He owned buildings here in San Diego for lease. And we spent the day together, and <clears throat> I was able to give him the gospel for the time we spent together. And at the end of the day, I said to him, well, what do you think? And he said, well, Tom, I just have one question. What difference did Jesus Christ make in your life? That's what he said. Boy, if he only knew me before, he would never ever have asked that question. But uh, I couldn't sleep that night. As I thought about it, and I wrote down the many, many, many different areas and tried to, to say it right and, and nail it down. And That's a good question. Don't you think that's a good question? That's a good question for all of us. What difference has it made in our lives in the change of seedship? What difference has it made in our lives that before we were the seed of the devil, now we're the seed of God? Well, here's some of the differences the Bible says should be there. Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The verse does not say that we were in darkness. 
we were. The verse says we were darkness. We embodied darkness. We spread darkness. We were darkness itself. That was our old man. Then the verse likewise doesn't say that we are in the light. It says we are light. Like the Lord Jesus said, you are the light. Just like Scott Ramo last week, after our class, he brought up 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What happened to Scott Ramo that I used to know, someone could say, before he got all that religion, before he started reading the Bible and praying and talking about God? Oh, that Scott Ramo, he passed away. <laughs> old things are passed away. He's a new creature. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old me, the son of the devil, he was a loner and he was crucified with Christ. He died. The new me, the Son of God, he lives with a companion. He's got a new motivation, a new power, a new internal engine. It's a person. It's Christ liveth in me. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are buried, it says. I hope we attended our own funeral. Maybe we said, dearly beloved, we'd gather here together. To remember Tom Cantor. He was the son of a devil. Everyone called him a little devil. <laughs> they were right. Not too much good things we can say about him, except it's good he's getting buried today. But then we attended our own birth, too, hopefully. And we put out birth announcements, born today, by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Newness of life, not his own, bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. That's true for me. That's true for you. That's true for every believer. So, review. We are all described as the seed of the devil in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all born that way. We are children of the devil. We're the seed of the devil, but we've been given by God and thank God the opportunity to change, repent, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we do that, then he gives the power to change seed ships and become children of God. The great mystery is not everybody does it. And that's a great mystery. And we cannot understand it, and it's so mysterious to us. How in the world can it be that there are those who reject such a loving God, such a caring God, such a kind God, such a great God? How can it be? That's the mystery, and that's why we have two seeds in the world today. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. But if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching here on Friendship with God as you're driving, listening at home, or downloading and listening to messages on the go, you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, and we want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program so we can continue airing on your station in your city. If you're enjoying these messages and enjoying the teaching of the Old Testament from Tom Cantor, please become a monthly contributor and supporter of this Bible teaching radio program. Your monthly support can be a donation of any amount. So call us now or after the program to be a Friendship with God supporter at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do so online at friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor. 
Now, when we last saw Eve and Adam in Genesis 4.1, we saw a man and a woman, but especially the woman, she speaks up. She's so full of hope, and she so wanted for this firstborn to be the promised Messiah that Eve declared Cain to be the divine Messiah. And she said, I've gotten the man-God. I've gotten man-God. That's how it reads in the Hebrew. And Adam and Eve so much needed that personal healing from the divine Messiah that she didn't even give the baby time to grow up. She just called him a man as soon as he's born, not even a boy, or uh, he calls him a man. And she just couldn't wait for him to become the Messiah that's described in Malachi 4.12. The son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And she needed healing. They needed healing. And they were thinking of themselves and they were hoping for the Messiah that they could get healed. And they so wanted the Messiah to come now that for them, they were just sort of thinking, let's get this mess just over with. We fell into the sin. The Messiah has been promised. Let him come. We'll die. Go to heaven. And that'll just finish it all up. Now that was their personal interest. And that's what led them to hope that their firstborn would be the God-man. But the question is, was that God's interest? That's a good question for all of us to ask all the time. Was that God's interest? We know what we want, and it's a good thing to ask the question, is that what God wants? What did God want with Adam and Eve? He said it in Genesis 1.28 when he said he blessed them, And he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. That means he wants to have more people than just Adam and Eve. God was interested in what he said. It's a very, very centerpiece verse for us. I want to keep this in mind. Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But Lord, we had a tragedy happen here, and we as your first people, we fell into sin. Maybe we should just change your plans, just send the Messiah now, take us to heaven, and it was a good try, we'll call it a good try. And God says, I will build, in spite of what happened, in spite of your fall, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Adam and Eve didn't understand this, and they thought that they were it. They didn't understand what it says in John 10, 16, when he said, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold of Adam and Eve, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. They would like to have said, Adam and Eve would have liked to have said to God, God, here's your fold. Lord, it's a nice fold. It's only two sheep, but it's still nice. We're a very nice church, Lord. Why don't you just stop here? It'd be so much less distressful, so much calmer, And God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell with all the stress that that's going to bring will not prevail against it. So there was this tug of war of interests of just getting the Redeemer now for themselves or God's interest of multiplying to build his church. And this tug of war, good question for us. Do we care about God's interest to build his church in spite of the gates of hell? Or do we say, gates of hell? Oh, you got to be kidding. I think I'll have lunch instead. Anyway, there's likely a period of time between verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 4. And in that period, Adam and Eve saw something. They would have noticed Cain's true colors coming out. They would have seen him as a hard-hearted, unrepentant, me-first, incorrectable, just a horrible person. And seeing this really discouraged 
Adam and Eve. Oh, they hit the bottom because they looked at their hope. They thought he was going to be a Messiah. It was all shattered when they saw his behavior and they realized he's not the Messiah at all. So what happens? A great depression sets in over Adam and Eve. It's like a dark cloud of despair just comes over them. Hope is lost. Where are the promises of God? They can almost say as in 2 Peter 3, 4, where's the promise of his coming? So full of despair and seeing how Cain has developed, when their next child is born, they call him Abel or Hevel, which means vanishing or perishing. It's the same word, you know, the, the key word in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm sure you'd all say that's the word vanity, right? That's the same word. Vanity. Vanity of vanities in Ecclesiastes 1, 2. Havel, havelim. That's the same word. Havel, havelim. It's the same word. In other words, it means perishing. Because they felt their hope was perishing. You know, poor kid, right? I mean, you know, he gets a name like perishing. You know, someone comes up to someone and says, oh, what a beautiful baby. What's his name? Perishing. Perishing? You need therapy. Perishing? You name a kid perishing. Anyway, that's what they named him. Perishing. You ever felt like that? Like Adam and Eve? That you had your heart set on this child, this job, this marriage, this direction, this career. See it all smashed? Perishing? That was Adam and Eve. They were shocked to see Cain develop into this deceiver, this hostile, this headstrong, this cruel person that he was, stubborn. So we look at Adam and Eve, and when we look at verse 1 and see how quick they were to jump for joy, and then we look at verse 2 and see how quick they were to jump for despair, we've got to take a lesson from that. We say, oh, let's learn something from that. We need to be cautious about going, our going forward. They weren't asking the question, what's God doing? They assumed, well, God is going to bring the Messiah immediately because we need him, and so this must be him. And in verse 2, they weren't cautious there in asking, what's God doing? They assumed that, well, you know, since he's not it, then God is just going to give up. He's going to give up. They needed to do the advice that Naomi told Ruth in Ruth 3.18 when she was anxious. Ruth was anxious to get married to Boaz, And Naomi told Ruth, then said she, sit still, she told this to Ruth, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. In other words, she was saying, let's see what God's going to do in this. Good advice, Proverbs 16, 3, commit thy works unto the Lord, let thy thoughts be established. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, fret not thyself. Remember what happened with the Gibeonites. They came, they were the enemies of Israel. They tricked Israel into making this peace agreement with them by saying they were from a very far country and so forth. And the tragic verse is that God knew what was happening and he could have told them in an instant he was waiting for them to ask. But the tragic verse of Joshua 9.14 was that Joshua, with the leaders, it says, and the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. That was tragic. God was just saying, if you only would have asked me, you could have avoided so much trouble. But instead, they said, God, this is an easy one. I can handle this one. This one's okay. You take the hard ones. I'll take the easy ones. It's a wonderful word that comes to us, though. When we see these failures, there's a wonderful word we see in verse 2, and it's the word again. It says in Genesis 4, 2, and she again bare his brother Abel. That's a wonderful word. That's wonderful. Even though Cain turned out to be the one who remained the seed of the devil, God brought an Abel who did change his seedship, and he became the seed of God. And after all the terrible things that occurred there, as we didn't really read it all, but when you come down to verse 25, you'll see it again. And Adam knew his wife again. I love that word. 
again. And she bare a son, called his name Seth. And for God said, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom came slew. Those are the first times, by the way, in the Bible the word again appears. It's twice, these two times, first times. And they show something great about God. You know, God could have said to Adam and Eve, all right, I promised you that I would send the seed of the woman. I didn't promise it would be your firstborn. As a matter of fact, I told you there was going to be this other seed, but you chose not to listen. And because the Redeemer is not your firstborn, you gave up and you named your secondborn perishing, which was a message to me. I heard it. So you give up with me. Well, I give up with you. Well, that's not God. That's not what God did, and that's not who God is. Just another terrific message by Tom Cantor today on the Friendship with God radio program. Now, if you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program, we want to let you know that these messages are all made available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org are also available free on iTunes.com. So you can listen to Tom Cantor anytime you want and the Friendship with God radio program and continue to develop that walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and friendship with God. And we'd like to encourage you to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program. We've got two great resources to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program this month. A DVD tour of the Creation Museum here that Tom Cantor owns and operates in San Diego, California. And on this DVD, leading creation scientists and Bible teachers, including Tom Cantor, cover the six days of creation, including the seventh when God rested. We'll also include a second resource, a book on the Ice Age and the Flood that will show you how the Bible and science explain the Ice Age. These two great resources will help you take a journey through time. Get them today for your support of this Bible teaching radio program by calling 800-247-3051. For more information, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.